Hello and welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I am Will Harley, one of the hosts of the show today, and with me is Don Winsberger. We continue our look at Daniel chapter 3. Um, I don't think we necessarily need our disclaimer because I don't know if we're going to be really aggravating a bunch of people when we, we go through the scriptures and just talk about about reading God's word and, and discussing God's word. Although I do like irritating the Reformed, but that's a whole other podcast. Well, there you go. And and we'll make sure we have a podcast with the aggravation of the Reformed. And, and maybe we'll title, maybe that is a great title for a podcast discussion at some point, uh, the aggravation of the Reformed. And we'll talk about all those things like baptism and the Lord's Supper and and fellowship and you know every little every little keyword that we can we can talk about that might just uh, sovereignty of God. So, there you go, the sovereignty of God. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, without further ado, as as we we are gathering, um, you know, we are both uh, members called into the ministerium of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, but that doesn't mean that the things that we discuss are are necessarily uh, the views and opinions shared about our called church bodies or from the synod we're a part. These are our musings, our thoughts, our own personal studies, I think we could say, right? Yes, indeed. And so uh, as we, we gather, if you would like to finish this or continue this discussion with us at any time, uh, please catch us in our congregations, uh, email us, text us, whatever you would like to do to let us know uh, that you're listening and that uh, we've sparked some interest there for you. So um, at least for me, I think I'm ready to, to dive on into a little bit more of Daniel. Uh, I think this one's a really a timely area um, that we've been dealing with. We've been sort of taking one chapter at a time. Um, probably next week, I'm thinking we'll, we'll take two, at least four and five, maybe even in six, uh, depending on, on what we decide. But but I think here we slowed up just enough to, to, to charge our way through three and hear some of the, the more famous accounts of the book of Daniel um, and, and maybe take a time to slow down and, and, and get some discussion in on it. So uh, unless you have anything to add, I'll give us some intro music and we'll dive into to Daniel 3. Right, Daniel chapter three. We are switching our focus now from um, the four amigos, and we are now down to the three amigos. What do you think? This is, you know, I think this probably is is the second most famous account from Daniel, um, after only after Daniel and the lion's den, which that's something that's coming up and. And, and there will be, I think there'll be some similarity and discussion with that. Um, but this is one of the things in my study where actually it's something that's really hit home with me. And it's just poured over into all the different Bible studies I'm teaching right now. Um, one thing that just hits home with me uh, so clearly, and it's something that I look at, uh, it's, it's actually, uh, if you want to call motivation, um, for what may be coming. And even if it doesn't come, it's still great motivation. Life is not a matter of survival. It's a matter of giving God glory. Well, I think let's, let's, we're going to, we have to unpack that. Um, not because what you said isn't succinct and very uh, pointed. It's just because I think we need to talk about what the natural tendency is, right, of man, and and maybe we can do this within the context of Daniel chapter 3, okay? So here's what we're saying. Um, the natural tendency of man is fight or flight. You, you, you get confronted with some problem in life, and that little part in the back of your head that connects to your spinal cord, um, isn't that the medulla oblongata? Um, <laughs> that's, where, uh, that's where, what's his name uh, from the movie... Uh... Uh, the, um, uh, that anger comes from the, mama says, mama says that uh, alligators get angry because they, because they're, they got a toothache. That's the water boy. The water boy. <laughs> Adam Stanler. Sorry for, sorry for digging that low, but actually the, there, it, once again, that is the, uh, the it, it, you know, the, and if that doesn't speak to me, I face it when you face conflict or when you face challenge or whatever, a difficulty, 
my first reaction is to back off because uh, actually my first intent, my first tendency is to kill. And, and, and he means that in the politest I, way. He, he means well, that in the most politest way possible. Yes, I do. And because, and because my, the new person of faith in me says that's wrong. Um, then my, so my, I, I back off, I retreat. And, uh, uh, and so then when I get poked and poked, and poked, then the fighting comes out and nothing ever good comes from that. Uh, 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 if you want to talk about uh, over, you know, active conscience, uh, uh, feeling bad because when I, when I, when I attack, it gets ugly. And, and you know what, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about this before we jump on into the bulk of the text. You know, we, we had a conversation in Bible study this last Sunday, and it was a beautiful conversation. We were talking uh, about raising children and, and how do we take a stand, you know, stand your ground. And, and you know, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, uh, I, had, I had made the comment that, you know, when I raised my kids and I said someone keeps pushing you and pushing you and pushing you and pushing you, and, and they're, they're getting physical almost in this idea of pushing you, I said, you just turn around, you bop them in the nose, and it ends. Um, which is the fight, right? That's that fight uh, mentality in many, many ways. And one of my members, a uh, very, very wonderful guy, brought up how he kind of differed in that and said, you know, Pastor, I, I, I politely disagree. And, and he says, you know, the Lord said that we should turn the other cheek. And, and I want to talk just a little bit about that because I think what you're saying about standing your ground is exactly what the Lord is saying about turning the other cheek in the sense that, the Lord didn't say turn the other cheek so that you get the backside of my cheeks that are below the waist yeah. and someone can kick you in the butt. But standing your ground that 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 if they slap one, they slap your cheek, they slap your face, they get the other one right there and you haven't moved. You still are there. You didn't back away. You didn't run away. Yeah, you didn't retaliate. Okay. The, the, the fight might not be there, um, because as a, a very good pastor friend of ours, uh, uh, Pastor Phil Henning said, you know, the sword isn't yours to wield, that's God's, and, and he will wield it as he sees fit. Um, but you, you're still there. You're still standing there, and you're not, you're not moving away from the, I, I don't want to say conflict, but it is a conflict. You're, 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 not, you're not turning tail and running either. And that tends to be the tendency. I can't remember last week if I repeated myself, dear listeners, and also uh, my partner in crime here. Uh, you know, I've got I've got uh, five nieces and nephews brought up in a Lutheran elementary school. Confirmed, they're adults now. Uh, the youngest, the two youngest ones are are probably going to be getting married this next summer. Uh, very always have been very vocal about their faith. And I mean, you talk to them, I mean, and then all of us know people like this. Every, every, you know, Jesus oozes out of everything that they say and do, and it's not blatant, it's not obnoxious. Uh, to get to my point, uh, uh, looking at, at, uh, at certain things here that fears that Christians have might what be upon us, my brother-in-law wants his children to be quiet about what they believe. He wants them to blend into the background because he's afraid at what they at, at the at what type of ridicule, abuse, and maybe even discrimination they might face because of what they believe. He wants them to continue believing that, but he doesn't want them to stand their ground. Yeah, because we've convinced ourselves that the whole point of living or the whole point of life is living. That's what we've convinced ourselves, and and I know that sounds weird, but it's the idea of the whole point of actually going through life is just so that you can continue going through life. And and yes. that's that's not a true statement. That that's no. not a true approach. Um, as you as you drove home last week, uh, we could say it again. The 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 true point and purpose of life should be to give God the glory. Yes, you know, and and we hear that from the Apostle Paul, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God. Um, and really, you know what, memorize that in confirmation class in Sunday school. Uh, that passage has been tattooed on my brain and my heart my whole life. But, you know, but really, that's that's something that, that comes to play right here. Never, and you know, knew what that said, but that's what it really means. It's not about, 
It's not about living or dying. It's not about avoiding death. This is about giving God glory. Right. Every every minute, every second of our lives. So so what I'm hearing you say is the Christian life isn't although it encompasses and in and in very many ways needs church on Sunday. It's not just church on Sunday. Giving yeah. God the glory is actually living your Christian life in everything you do, in everything it is you say. That, um, there you go. What, again, I'm going to offend any Reformed counterparts here, uh, but we, this is a danger we find in, in Lutheranism, too, to where we dare not give the impression, and, and, and where Reformed tend to do this with all of their committee meetings and their different specialized groups, not saying those things are evil. But when we give the impression like the Catholics do that the only that the best Christian living or the only good Christian living gets done inside the four walls of a religious institution. Yeah. And there's a danger in that because what we do is we've removed vocation. Um, yes. We've removed the, the benefit that we have of of and, and really, in, in a sense, we've removed the very call of the pastor because uh, the pastor is to preach, to teach, to equip the saints for service, right? Administer the sacraments. Uh, how can we, what are we equipping them to do if the only thing that they can do is here within these walls? You know, that really it's the equipping to serve others in, in this capacity. So let's talk about serving others. Let's talk about what's happening here in, in Daniel chapter 3, because we've been talking around it and we had a good conversation to introduce it, but but maybe maybe it's, it, it's time to bring it to the story, to the account, and um, and take a look at at why we started the way we started. So um, maybe lead us through the beginning here of of setting the scene. Okay, uh, in Daniel chapter three, once again we come back to King Nebuchadnezzar. And just as a side note here, you said that next time we'll take chapter four and chapter five together. My probably sick, twisted mind and way of thinking, maybe would want to spend a little bit more time talking about the madness of King Nebuchadnezzar. We certainly uh, can. But uh, Hey, you I, know what? That, this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. And I just think that that's a sub. There's too many things that, that King Nebuchadnezzar does that he's like and that the Lord causes to happen to him that I really, I think, need to be discussed in detail. But that's just me. Um, it's almost like a dumpster fire, and you just can't drive by without stopping to take a look at it. <laughs> um, but uh, once again, I told you that's how my mind works. God help you if your mind is like mine. Um, but here we've got, once again, King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he's had, had an opportunity here again to, to, to give God glory. It shows us again that he's not a believer He's pretty much a, if you want to call it a pantheist, which believing in any God that catches his attention um, at the time. And now here comes a, here comes, a, you see a bit about his personality. Here's an opportunity to elevate myself. Here's an opportunity to bring myself glory. And here's an opportunity to bring my enemies really down, uh, 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 down uh, my enemies and even my coworkers. Uh, an opportunity to make them knuckle under to me. I'm going to build this big idol. So, and many Bible scholars think that this idol was actually probably, uh, uh, or that this statue was a, a likeness of himself. And, and and dear listener, just because we said many, many Bible scholars may think it is, doesn't mean we're saying it is. The scriptures don't tell us what yeah. it looked like. And uh, but it, it may, many scholars think it is just because this is a seems to be a big ego trip for the king. Yeah, the way uh, he reacts, right? When when yeah. when we have the three um, faithful who don't bow, the way he reacts makes maybe leads us to this this. Uh, um, well, I'll let you finish the account and, yeah. and we'll go. And, and I'm going to sum, I'm going to summarize here. I mean, it's nice to read through scripture, but we encourage our people to read Daniel, Daniel chapter three at home. Uh, the king has sets up this statue and then he calls in all of his government officials. We have to remember all of his government officials are not only people from Babylon, but they're people that have been conquered. Okay. You got Daniel, 
you know, for some reason, well, you know, for some reason it doesn't, we, Daniel's not mentioned here, so we don't know where he is. Not important to speculate on him because we just don't know, so we're not going to talk about that. But you have have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are among these government officials uh, that, that come from other lands. This is another opportunity for Nebuchadnezzar to kind of, again, throw at these, this is our religion, this is me, it's all about me, it's all about us, we're going to make you knuckle under. Um, and so this is the thing with uh, the statue. When the music plays, the king orders and so forth and stuff, everybody bow down to the statue. Okay, so you got thousands of people around here doing this. This is, this is uh, uh, such an, you know, it would be so easy for, for, for God's people and for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to say here, really, who's going to see us do this? You know, what's the big deal? It's just, it's just bowing down to the statue. You know, do we really want to bring attention to ourselves? You know, and it's this. Now, I would like you to bring in, you talked about this before when we when we were discussing outside of the podcast. Crud starts to fly here. Tell us where the crud starts to come from. Well, you know, here's the here's the interesting part. You know, you had you had said so wonderfully that that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego had an opportunity to to do one of two things. They could have they could have just gone along with the crowd and and not made a scene, or as like we started the podcast, they could stand their ground and say, "I can't." And and so they 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 out of their Christian ability invocation. I mean, they could have walked away, and who'd have known that they weren't there? They could have, they could have, um, but they didn't. Out of their 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 Christian sensibility and their and their God given ability as a Christian to take a stand, they stood their ground. And and here's what happens: you get some malicious people who who apparently were either um, dissatisfied. It seems as they're dissatisfied because uh, um, it seems like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego are riding on the coattails of David. Or uh, not David of Daniel, and they're riding on the coattails of Daniel, and they're they're very upset about that, and so so in a very malicious way, they 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 bring and they highlight Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego uh, before the king, and they say, um, you know, didn't you say that 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 when all this stuff went on, we were supposed to bow down and worship this statue, and didn't you say that if you don't? You know, you're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. And you can almost see the malicious glee that's just coming off of these people as they're, as they're thinking, ha-ha, we can get rid of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego because we have we have cornered them in their belief, right? Uh, we don't like yes. how they act, but we've cornered them in what they believe, and we're going to persecute them for that. Is this, and again, don't want to get us too distracted off this, but really, when you look at this, this is demonic. Oh, it's horribly demonic. It, they know, and they're going to do it again to to Daniel. They're gonna they're gonna attack him where they know it hurts, which is they're going to attack him on his faith because that they know he won't give it up, and and that's where they nail him, and, and so they get nailed. And 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 what happens here is, and I think it's kind of an interesting. It, there's an interesting segue here in this study, um, because. Of course, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego they they get brought before Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar. He he asks them, "Did you really do this?" And and I love what what happens. They they acknowledge, "Yes, we we did." And and yeah. and and the question that Nebuchadnezzar says, "Don't you serve our? Don't you serve my God?" Like in other words, like he assumed there's almost this idea of an assumption. Your God lost. That's why you're here. Wouldn't you serve my God because he's victor? Well, and that's his logic. That, right. That's what motivates Nebuchadnezzar in his in his religious life. It is whatever God, so-called God, seems to have the most power and influence at the time. Right. And he's not the only one. We'll see it, we'll see it coming down the road with King Darius, um, with Daniel in the lion's death. Same thing. Absolutely. And and so what we see here with Nebuchadnezzar, though, is is so he he's thinking, hey, this is logical. You should have done this. He gives 
Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego a second chance, which which is unheard of. Um, I mean, go to go to Jeremiah twenty nine. Um, Jeremiah twenty nine. What is it? Verse twenty two details people who Nebuchadnezzar lit on fire in a fiery furnace because he didn't like them, and it doesn't seem like he's a guy who gives second chances. Um, and and yet he's well, given these guys and speculating here, and this is speculation on my part. Uh, forgive me for this. But, you know, you have to look at, you know, look at what we've already looked at in, in Daniel chapters one and two, uh, the things that these young men have done and what, and again, the testimony of their faith. I wonder if some of that did not have already uh, uh, an influence on Nebuchadnezzar because these men were valuable to him. They were smart. They were intelligent. They were serving the kingdom well. And, and so, once again, he sees what wonderful assets these young men are. Does that temper a little bit, okay, you know what, uh, we're an insane man. He gets insaner, okay, or more insane later on in the book. Um, but here, where at least common sense comes and says, hey, these are guys I want to keep around. Maybe I need to, to stop and use a little bit of reason here. You know, I, there's there's maybe some of this, and and this and follow me on this just a little bit. This just struck me, and and I want to follow this rabbit hole and correct me if you don't think this is a good place to go. You had you had rightfully said that 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 really Nebuchadnezzar believes in a pantheon of gods. You know, he's got a myriad of other little gods that are all running around, and and in chapter two, we we kind of are introduced to um, we're we're introduced to his acknowledgement. Of David or of Daniel's God, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego's God, but it's the it's the reference to that I want to go back to in in chapter two. It's it's the reference to the one who reveals mysteries. The 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 God who reveals mysteries, and I'm wondering if maybe in in Nebuchadnezzar's mind, and I, I, this is speculation, but I wonder if Nebuchadnezzar's mind in his pantheon of gods, he's like, okay, I get it. Your God is the one who reveals mysteries and he gives you wisdom. And that's why I have you in these positions. My God that I'm asking you to bow down to is the God of force and power who has allowed me to be victorious. You can do both. Well, yeah, yeah. And isn't that, that, I think that's a very legitimate take on this, Will, because this is really, we see it, it's part of, it's part of sinful human nature and it's really part of our society today because, because look at it this way. We live in a pluralistic society. Um, and, uh, and, and so looking at history in pluralistic societies, this tended to be the procedure. And yet in today's pluralistic society, don't we seem to notice, sorry for taking us down this rabbit hole, but every other Every other thing it, it can be it can be bent slack except for Christianity, right? And you can have both, right? There's this idea yes. that we've set up in our head that that you can do both, and and it's the great lie um, that we've convinced ourselves of. So so here's how it plays out, and and I want you, I, I'm on, a, I'm sort of rushing to get to the point where where I would like you to express uh, the confession of the three men because I think it's a beautiful confession. But but one of the things I want to highlight is is okay of course Meshach Shadrach and Abednego they say no they 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 just can't do it whether they have a second chance or not it's not going to happen and and uh, Nebuchadnezzar gets extremely upset and the things that I love the, the the thing that I love and I highlighted and underlined and starred were his words and I just want to read them very very briefly here it's in fifteen very end of fifteen Nebuchadnezzar says what God will be able to save you from my hands. I love that because he is throwing down the gauntlet. Um, he is he is challenging not only the Lord, um, but he is you know um, he is and and get this, this is the thing I love the most. Not only is he challenging the Lord, but he is also acknowledging the ineptitude of his own pantheon. <laughs> I love it. How can they be gods if they can't save somebody? from fire. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, that is a very good point. I've never thought, I've never thought of that. 
I, I find that so funny that that in his rage, because he's doing this as he's raging, in his anger, he denies his own gods. He denies the, the ability. Illogic, the logic of unbelief. Yes, very bingo. There, there. In his unbelief of everything, he denies the things he says he believes in. Um, and and this is so. So we got a challenge laid down to the Lord. We have a denial of his own beliefs. And what's the result? What what happens? What's the what's the glorious testimony? We've got a beautiful. We've got some beautiful statements of faith coming from these three men. Um. Uh, they you know they said first of all they say. Uh, and they say this respectfully, we don't need to defend ourselves before you, okay? And then here comes, this is something that just blows me away. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we are served, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up, Right here, it, this is what blows me away. What follows, and all of us know what's coming, these three men do not know that's going to happen. They do not know that they are going to be, that their lives are going to be spared. And they still take a stand. And they, and, and, the, and the most amazing thing along with that as well is they don't, they don't deem to know better than their God to say he's, yeah. he, he, he's going to do this and I'm calling him to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, you know, and they, and here, this is, this is a, this is a matter of faith too. And, and uh, that they know that even if they are burned up, they know they're going to heaven. Um, this is a lot, what we have here, uh, uh, the thought, pro we, we get to see a little bit of an insight that in the thought process of the martyrs of the church. Absolutely. A willingness um, to stand their ground, knowing that, that everything and anything is possible in the Lord. And yet also knowing that they're not going to assign a certain task to the Lord and say, you have to do this for it, for it to be valid. And how often isn't it? This is our sinful nature. This is what we struggle with as Christians. And sometimes we don't struggle with it enough preached about it a few weeks ago, where Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Our servant, our sinful nature always go, often goes, always goes like this. Listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. And this is not, and this, and, and, and this isn't even a thought in the mind of these three men right now. No. Uh, and, and, and how that is, I, I like the way that you said that, you know, oftentimes, um, we we have a false humility that I'm listening to the Lord, but only if the Lord is doing what I asked him to do and how yeah. I asked him to do it and when I asked him to do it and the way I asked him to do it. And as long as the Lord does that, then I'm okay and I will I'm listening to the Lord. That that's a false humility and, and we don't see that in these guys at all. Um what we see is is uh um men who are probably shaking in their boots. They're 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 de I I would not assume that they are not afraid. Um, well, yeah, these men, these men are not, um, they're not idiots. Let's put it this way. They're, let, let's put it this way. They don't have a death wish. No. And, and they're not they, running towards martyrdom. Yes. But they also realize that it's probably coming. And that is, that brings up a thing too. Maybe sometime we'll have a, have a podcast on that. There was an era of the, of the Christian church where, you had people screaming towards martyrdom. It was almost uh, Christianity's version of Islam, um, where if you die for the faith, you get a guaranteed spot in heaven. I'm writing it down so I can remember it for later. And, and this is not this. These men did not have a death wish. Their, their, their goal here was giving glory not only just in this situation, but just as it was in, in, in most every situation in their life when their sinful nature didn't have the best of them. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, a really interesting comment also to say is, is we don't see, this is a, um, maybe we could say a glorified story in the sense where we really see the sinful nature of Nebuchadnezzar come out, but we really see the saint coming out in these Christians, these believers. Um, they are sinner and saint. 
this this is not a justification of saying, oh, they are perfect little angels. That's not what we're saying. They it's just in this particular occurrence we are seeing specifically the saint winning out, right? Yes. And 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 so here's what happens. Uh beautiful confession uh just irritates Nebuchadnezzar even more. Just sends him over the the ledge and uh he says I want the fire often what profession of faith will bring to an unbeliever. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, any any time a profession of faith, any time grace is seen, any time um, uh, faith worked by grace <laughs> is seen, um, you know, this is going to cause anger. And and so he gets mad and he says, "Okay, I don't just want a fiery furnace. I want it. I want it seven times hotter. I mean, this is he is he is cooking this thing." Um, you know, and if anybody has ever used a wood stove, you're going to love it. The fact that a wood stove, um, you can keep getting that wood stove hot. Uh, it's not like natural gas or LP where it has a limiter on it and then you're done. I mean, you can cook that sucker and he does. This, this gives us an insight, not only into Nebuchadnezzar's sinful nature, but also his insanity, which we are going to be talking about coming up here. Um, it, this come, This is something that gets to the best of him. Uh, uh, let's put it this way. Self-control is not a term that anybody now or at that time would have used to describe Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that self-control is a gift of the Holy Spirit? Yes. And, and most people who are a lot of people who do not have the Holy Spirit have a really hard time with self-control. And, and I'm not saying that they aren't controlled to get what they want. I'm saying that they have a hard time controlling themselves in every aspect of their life, which is a spiritual gift. Yes. And, and so what do you have here? You got, you got the, the fire going and, and, oh, and, and just to say it, you, so his, the fire is raging almost as hot as Nebuchadnezzar's rage inside of himself. And in his stupidity to, to go overboard in this entire fiasco, which is exactly what it is, a fiasco, he loses some of his best soldiers because he ties up, the, he ties up Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and then he says, okay, now throw them into the fire. And I, what I love about that whole occurrence is... The people who get close to the fire to throw Meshad, Shadrach, and Abednego into the fire, they die instantly. And you can already see something's happening because Meshad, Shadrach, and Abednego don't die instantly. They've, they just, they're in the fire. And, and it, it, the, the scriptures are giving us little keys here that, guess what? The story you thought you were going to get is not the story you're going to get. And, and we gloss over those. I was reading it again today, and I'm like, how often have I read that? And it just never clicked. Everyone else is dying. They get close to that fire. They don't. Yep. And now yep. we get to the you point. Know, and, and uh, you know, one of the things I've seen, uh, again, not one, I because I, I know we've got about 15 minutes left here. Don't want to get us too far off the track. But again, People, some people I know that have uh, have anger issues or if they're going and should be in anger management very often are the ones that are not going there. And then they're so surprised that after after they after the bomb goes off and they're and, and they can't figure out how the collateral damage came around about they're surprised at it. Yeah, they they, they kind of for, conveniently forgot their own anger and the damage it does. Um and you're right, and and we see that. So, and that's exactly Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, but Sorry now, about getting off. No, no, it's fine. We we got down to the point where where that anger is instantly doused, and and that's yep. and and so here's what happens. Um, you know what? I I don't I don't want to share what happens because I have my own opinions I want to talk about in this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it to you. You tell us what douses this right. anger. So so what happens here is the 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 three men are thrown in. You have the soldiers that threw them in that died. And then you have these men walking around in the, in the, in the furnace. Might as well, let's just go. Uh, uh, they're wa Nebuchadnezzar is watching, and this is the point that we want to discuss. There are four walking around in the, in the furnace, walking around freely. Um, they're not uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and 
Meshach and Abednego are not burning up. The fourth one, they say, looks like one. Our translation, uh, at most translations, say he looks like a son of the gods. King James Version that I was raised on said he looks like a, uh, uh, the son of God. Um, we'll talk about that term. Um, then, actually, the king brings them out. Um, the, the three men, there's not a hair singed. They don't smell like smoke. You wouldn't even know they were close to fire, which is something amazing in itself if you ever just sat around a campfire. Um, and to not, and I mean, that, that's one of the, that's the only thing I don't like about sitting by a campfire is because my clothes smell like the campfire. You have to wash them. This, there's not even a hint. You couldn't even tell these people were around fire. And this was, a, this was one of the most raging furnaces ever. And so we see God deliver them and deliver them in a spectacular way. But what's even more spectacular is coming back to individual number four in the furnace. Yeah, and we want to talk about individual number four because by Nebuchadnezzar's, Nebuchadnezzar gives two accounts of, of his faulty idea of, of who this guy is inside the fire. And the first one, I think, is, is more true than the second one. The, 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 the first time he says it looks like the son of the gods, the son of God. And, and then uh, the second time he brings it up, he, he makes mention of, of an angel, right? Uh, an angel of the gods had come down of some sort. Now, I'm not going to hang my hat on, on Nebuchadnezzar's inability to, to theologically think about things and, and know the scriptures. But I'm just going to throw this out here. My, I was raised this way, and I see it in there because it's beautiful. This is Christ. This is a theophany. Uh, this is this is Jesus there with his people. Um, uh, he is encompassing them. He is surrounding them. He is protecting them. And and what a beautiful what a beautiful intro. The Son them. of Gods, right? He saves them, which yeah. actually goes with his name. Sorry, go ahead. Well, but I mean, just the just the confession. The Son of the Gods. Now now. I know in this conversation that that there are commentators that say that this is this is an angel. Um, in fact, the the Talmud, which is the 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 Jewish book uh, um, of the scriptures with writings of the rabbis in them, um, more filled with rabbis' writings than they are actually of the scriptures. But but the the Talmud says this is Gabriel that seems to make an appearance uh, later on in the book of of Daniel in, in Daniel chapter eight. And, and when he's seeing the visions, and okay, and, and let's just say, if it is Gabriel, here's my problem with that. And, and I would like your comments on it too. My problem is later on in Daniel chapter 8, when Gabriel appears before Daniel, he falls in fear. Every interaction with a, with, with a holy angel, when it's an angel, Every interaction that the scripture ever brings out, everyone falls in fear. But whenever we have a theophany and we see this, we see the Son of God, we see the second person of the Trinity appear, there is always an awe, there's always a recognition, this is God, this is this is this is God, but there's no fear. There is there's interaction in in just as God has promised, there would be an interaction that we would have between God and man because of the second person of the Trinity because of, of Jesus Christ, that, that you know, when on Mount Sinai, let's go back, don't speak to us this way because we'll surely die. I will send one, right, who will carry my word. I will, that was part of the readings of this last Sunday in the Pericope. Here we have Jesus Christ. We interact with him. He is God. He is God, and, and, and we interact with him, and he is our Savior, and he saves us, and he walks with us and is with us and remains with us, um, as our protection. What are your thoughts? I am in, I am in complete 100% agreement with you. One of the things that, that, that it, with this, which is different with one of this, and I might, again, I could be wrong on this, on just this observation. Here's a the, what makes this theophany appear, God appearance difficult is he doesn't speak. With many of the other theophanies, we also get the confirmation of, of uh, uh, that the Lord that the Lord spoke 
and that's we were able to to put that we we're able to put that together. One of the, the the big reason that I think that I think in addition with all of the the logic and scriptural logic that you put out here with this is the fact again here we have a deliverance okay we have an actual an actual deliverance he saves them okay now you might be some might say well what about the the angel that closed the lion's mouth with daniel once again i would say but that and and again i'm not i'm not thoroughly convinced that that angel there wasn't a theophany either but well we're also not told but i and and i would just back back up but, the, just, but just the fact here this is a self this is a salvific a salvation action and and um, and i think the 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 wording leads us to one uh, the, the spirit preserves the wording purposely to lead us to something when when you you talked about the angel in 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 Daniel and Lions Den we're not told anything about what it looks like yep and so could it have been there sure in in physical form or could it have not been seen and just held the mouth shut um we are we're specifically told what this angelic being looks like and and it's not a it's not as an angelic being it is presented as the Son of God. Now, I know in Job, and here's where, where the rub comes in, and in Job chapter 1, uh, uh, what is it, verse 6, and again in chapter 2, uh, we have the sons of God, and there, there Job, in, in, in this poetic wisdom literature, definitely is referencing angels gathered gathered around and so if if you if you're looking at this and saying okay the son of the gods and then you have the son of god or the sons of god from job you would say okay maybe there's this connection that that this is an angelic being but and and i might be wrong i'd have to go back and double check almost nowhere else in scripture does the scriptures connect angels with the sons of God other than in Job. Yeah. And well, you have a few there. You have some references in, in Psalms, right? There's what there's a reference. There's a reference in Psalms where it could be, but once again, that's an open question. We're not sure on that. Right. I, but I'm mean uh, saying specifically referenced where, where you would say definitively, this is what it's referencing to. This is where I come back to because you, <clears throat> every Christian or every every spokesman for God, worth his salt, in Old and New Testament, we we realize this. You know, we learn it in confirmation class. The Holy Scriptures, you know, Jesus says these are the Scriptures that testify about me. Old and New Testament. When we're te- when our Sunday school teachers are teaching, when we're teaching a Bible class, when we're preaching a sermon, and we're teaching from the Old Testament, our goal is always to get this was written about Christ. So let's make sure we get to that point. In this area, where is Christ? And Christ here is clear, in my eyes, is clearly seen in individual number four in the fiery furnace. And I would agree. And and I think that's the, that's, and, and I like your statement, you know, all of the Old Testament rushes us to the cross. The New Testament focuses on the cross uh, and, and, and seeing Christ and Christ alone. Um, and so where is, I mean, we can talk about angels all day long. We can talk about, um, you know, what is their job? How do they work? What function do they carry in, 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 in the preservation of God's people? And that's not a bad conversation to have. But I think here, let's take the statement for what it is. Let's see it for what it is um, in the best possible light and say, here's Jesus coming to his people as he's promised to do. Um, here is Christ for us. Um, and, 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 and also maybe step, take a step back and just say, as Jesus himself promised, uh, those who confess me before the world, I will confess before the Father. Wow. There you go. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you could make that yeah. any more of a connection. It can't get any more clearer than that. Uh, this is this is a this is a wonderful story, and 
And if we happen to have any of our brother clergy that are listening to us, I do, and both Will and I do understand that uh, angels are messengers of God. They're his servants. They minister to God's people. God had, in, you know, there are instances of God sending his, you know, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Um, and, 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 you know, and you could approach this in this text too, to for the fact that those angels are sent from God, from the Lord, the, the Savior God. And, and, and you still get back to that. But it, it's really, you and I said this before, you got to really do a lot of jumping around in this in this text, or this chapter three right here to get away from Jesus. You got to get too much, you got to do more jumping around to get away from him than you have to to get to him. Right. And and so if if it's easier for us to get to Jesus by seeing him where he, where I believe and you believe he presents himself, um, then, then let's do that. Let's uh, and let's and let's chalk up the you know the faulty theology of Nebuchadnezzar, which I wouldn't be basing my salvific promises on the words of Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> and so Nebuchadnezzar looks at him and says, uh, "The son of the gods." And then and then later and then later turns around and says, eh, "Maybe an angel." Um, Considering that promise of Jesus, whoever confesses be, me before men. This is how I look at it. Forgive me. If, if forgive me. This is how I look at it. That in that in an instance like this, and considering Jesus' powerful words there, he who confesses me before men. In this situation, for him to send a representative to do his job, I think, you know, I guess he made the promise he's going to come and do it himself. Yeah. Just like he makes the promise that that he will win the victory in in the book of Revelation, the angels stand by and watch him do it. Um, yes, and and we stand behind him as white robed martyrs, right? Uh, we not carrying a single weapon because Christ goes to battle for us. Um, <clears throat> I I you know, it's like saying, did Jesus die on the cross or did he send an angel to do it for you or do it for him? No, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died for you. Uh, did Jesus come and say, hey, here, Mr. Angel Guy, walk for me in the world because it's it's too much for me to have to do. I have other things on my plate. No, he came and he lived for us. He walked with us. He dealt with us. He healed. He, he, he taught. He led. He gave um, everything so that, that we could be his own. That's We're what not- he does. We're not denying that 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 this that this couldn't have been an angel. We're not denying that. It just seems to make more sense looking at scripture here, this chapter three, and in scripture as a whole. It's just Jesus, with it being in Jesus, the incarnate Christ makes more sense. Absolutely. And I and and that's that's you know what happens. Daniel chapter three. Uh, three men come out. They they bewilderment. Um, you know, there's Here's a confession. A, Here's another future podcast: incarnate Christ or pre-incarnate Christ. Oh, that can go down a rabbit hole. Well, I like it. And listeners, you'll get a chance to figure out what we're talking about. We will get to that podcast. Absolutely. Um, but as we end up here today, because, you know, there's not much left of chapter three, and, and if we're going to hit chapter uh, four and talk about uh, Looney Nebuchadnezzar, um, we, we end pretty much with Nebuchadnezzar making a, a, a recognition that, you know what, uh, not only is, is David or Daniel's God and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego's God a God of uh, who reveals mysteries, but apparently he's a God who who does what what Nebuchadnezzar's own pantheon can't do, save people from fire. Um, and so... Realize that all of this stuff going on, uh, I just want to make this point, and if anybody has questions about it and wants us, to talk, uh, wants us to talk about it more, please email us or talk to us about it. But here, all of these miraculous things going on, okay, that Nebuchadnezzar witnesses to, does not make him a believer. No, absolutely not. And that and that's what I was gonna say. He he acknowledges, he does acknowledge that, okay, um, 
Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego's God is a, is is a God that that can do something that no other God can do. So, how can those other people be God? Other things be God, but but there's an acknowledgement of it. But there is no faith that is is brought. Yeah. Um, and now also Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego they disappear from the book. Um, Never hear from them again. Nope they they are given a um, a raise. They're given a higher status, and they they kind of move off doing what God is going to use them to do in their vocation. But, but Daniel, Daniel leaves them out of the pages of the rest of the book. So, uh, um, yeah, that, that pretty much brings an end to their tale that we have provided for us. Until we get to heaven and then we can pick their brains for eternity. Absolutely. And absolutely. And then, and then we can ask them, you know, what was it like to, uh, to walk on coals and not burn your feet? I mean that that's a that's a question I'm sure everyone wants to know. You know how'd that happen? Or, or better yet, or better yet, how'd you get that fabulous beard? Or <laughs> or people will be asking me, how did you get that name, that Babylonian name, Bell Rover? <laughs> there you go. Uh, as we as we look towards towards what heaven will be like, and we make fun of of what it could possibly be like, realize you know this. Dealing with Daniel is is such a relaxing thing, at least for for Don and I, because there are so many similarities in what we're seeing in the world today, and so hopefully we have this study kind of calms you down too to realize it's not the end of the world, and God's still in control, and He has given us a wonderful calling not to run, and not to pick up arms, dear God, don't do that, but to stand firm. Right, stand your ground on His word, and 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 God will will prevail as He always does. Yes, the chariots and horsemen of Israel, the power of a nation, uh, is, is not guns and might; it is the word of God. Amen. Have a great week. <laughs>